0: We have made it, folks. We have made it to week 13 of the NFL season, and that means one thing. We have wretch Philadelphia Eagles week, a rematch of last year's NFC championship game, essentially a mid-season rematch, and potential eventual uh, meeting again in this year's playoffs. This really is a Super Bowl matchup of Titans, of, of two colossal organizations that are at the peak of their play, meeting head-to-head this Sunday in Philadelphia. Dare I say these are the two best teams in the entire league, going head-to-head at the link. In Philadelphia. Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett. And oh boy, oh boy, are we hyped for this week ever since that dreaded day in January earlier this year? We've been waiting, chomping at the bit to get back to Philadelphia. Now, thankfully, we don't have to wait for the playoffs. Thankfully, it happens this Sunday at 1.25 p.m. in the town that Rocky Balboa built, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, excuse me, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, not Pittsburgh. <laughs> but this Sunday the 8-3 San Francisco 49ers, the number two seed in the NFC, riding a three-game win streak, coming off 10 days of rest after beating and, shall I say, clinching the NFC West on Thanksgiving Day, travel their little hineys up there to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and take on the 10-1 Philadelphia Eagles for the number one seed in the NFC West, riding a five-game winning streak, Coming off a five quarter overtime victory over the Buffalo Bills. And again, enough cannot be said. This is what we have been waiting for all year. Long. I hate the Eagles. You hate the Eagles. We hate them. There is history here uh, that seems that we have kind of jammed in a, a lifetime of rivalry trash talk into a a 10-month span. You got Debo Samuel calling James Bradbury trash, Amazon Reddick. Talking about last year, you have our players now trying to move on. You have their fans talking trash to us, threatening Fred Warner's wife and girlfriend. You have Bontane Chasky, 95-7, the game, going at it with Philadelphia radio hosts. You have people in Philadelphia and their media calling Nick Sirianni better than Kyle Shanahan in every which way. And you have the Philadelphia fans, arguably, the most just despicable people in the book i'll give them credit first they're passionate they care about their sports and i cannot say enough about them rallying behind their team we saw it in the mlb playoffs trey turner going through a bad year they cheered and they clapped him and they got behind him as a fan base and he had an amazing end To his first season in Philadelphia. We've also seen the Philadelphia Eagle fans throw ice uh, throw slurs and say so many things and threaten other fan bases and every time a fan base comes into that stadium the link it feels like something awful happens there's always reports coming out of this that and the other but nobody has been able to beat Philadelphia at home this year. Their only loss in New York on the road to the Jets. A really piss poor Jets defense that was banged up. Eagles played awful in this in that game. San Francisco now has a chance to go into the link and avenge what happened. Last season, when Brock Purdy gets the the arm jammed up by a Son Reddick and head and tears his UCL, a whole off season of recovery, a whole off season that led to San Francisco losing that game against Philadelphia, Josh Johnson getting hurt, um, Trent Williams grabbing a defender and slamming him to the ground, they really did feel as if this game. The NFL, for whatever reason, didn't put it in prime time, but this game has been circled by every fan of every team this year. Every fan base has been waiting for this rematch. Philadelphia wants this rematch. San Francisco wants this rematch. And it is finally upon us. I hate Philadelphia, you hate Philadelphia. So let's dive into this game five minutes into the podcast talking about how much this game means because I'll tell you right now, I don't care what other fan bases say. I don't care what the Eagles players or coaching staff are going to say or what the San Francisco Ford men or coaching staff is going to say and their players are going to say. They can preach and talk that, though this game means nothing, that's last year's team. No. This game for both sides means everything. For the Philadelphia Eagles, you want to defend your home field, you want to re that last year wasn't a fluke. They beat you with Brock Purdy, right? And... Philadelphia, if they do indeed lose this game against San Francisco, finds themselves just one game ahead of San Francisco in the NFC for the number one seed, with San Francisco then holding the tiebreaker over them if they have a tie record to end the year. But also, if the Dallas Cowboys win tonight against the Seattle Seahawks, they're just one game ahead of Dallas, In the NFC East, this game means something for the Philadelphia Eagles. There's a reason why Lane Johnson, who missed the past couple weeks, he's pushing to play. There's a reason why Dallas Goddard, who's been on IR for the past month, is pushing to play. They want to take part in this game. They know it means something for these franchises, these organizations on the Niners' side. You can't talk all this crap. You can't go through an entire offseason saying, oh, James Bradbury's trasher. If we had Purdy, it wasn't going to be close. Their weakness in Philadelphia is a secondary. Like Debo Samuel has said a handful of times, San Francisco feels like they got screwed last year and took the entire offseason to let the NFL world know had Brock Purdy been healthy, they would have won that game. Now is the opportunity to go out there and prove that. Heck, they even went and signed the Philadelphia Eagles' biggest free agent this offseason. There's so much tension building up, built up towards these two teams. Both fan bases hate each other. They are ready. The media is talking trash. They are ready. For these two teams to step on the field and have an all-out slugfest a fight, these two teams want to brutalize each other on the field, they want to make the other team know they just played the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles, this is going to be a, you know, not... 11 round, nine round, this is Tyson versus Holyfield, this is, you wanna put WWE, you wanna put Undertaker against Shawn Michaels, this is what we call an all out, shout out to JR, slobber, knocker, slug fest gonna happen in Philadelphia. But I wanna start with last week. How much does the previous week matter? Cause you can think what you want, two good teams, San Francisco is coming off of three extra days of rest while Philadelphia did indeed uh, beat the, the Buffalo Bills uh, in a overtime thriller that the Bills should have won, mind you, but I digress, where their defense played 92 plays. <laughs> like, their defense is exhausted, and San Francisco coming off a, I don't want to say easy win, but a win which... They did dominate one by 18 points over Seattle. Um, knowing this team and even Philadelphia, in, in, in their case, are also banged up, you give Eric Armstead 10 days to rest. You give Jordan Mason 10 days to rest. You give Ray Ray McLeod 10 days to rest. That's only going to be in your favor. Now, the Eric Armstead foot injury is kind of crept out of nowhere yesterday when he was announced not to practice um they're not sure if that's a plantar fasciitis issue like he had last year which cost him the majority of the season or it's something minor but if he can't play it's a major loss so or if he's limited and has to push to play having those 10 days those three extra days off to get ready and rest are a massive help for that Niners team. For the Philadelphia Eagles, Zach Cunningham, starting linebacker, he didn't practice yesterday. Fletcher Cox, old veteran player, been there forever. A strong, stout uh, defensive lineman. He has a groin injury. He didn't practice yesterday. And I already mentioned Dallas Goddard and Lane Johnson, both those guys battling through injuries. Goddard hasn't played in over a month. Lane Johnson hasn't played, uh, didn't play against the Buffalo Bills last week. They need the extra days and they don't have them. The rest uh the 10 days off definitely favors the San Francisco 49ers. They should be prepared. It's not just 10 days of rest though. It's 10 days of film to watch. It's you get to not you, you play on Thanksgiving, you get the weekend off. You get five complete days to get back into the film room, uh, see what you did wrong, see what you did right, and see how you can hopefully stop and execute your offense over the Philadelphia Eagles defense and vice versa. Um, So the rest certainly favors San Francisco in this one. But I have a major question to ask about the Philadelphia Eagles. Who are... The Philadelphia Eagles. I asked this when San Francisco had lost those three games in a row going into the bye week. I said they need a wake-up call. Who are they? Are they going to be a team where they're offensively led and they have to hope and pray they can score over 20 points a game to win? Uh, that has seemingly changed since the bye week, but Now let's shift that conversation to the Philadelphia Eagles because, yes, the number one seed in the NFC, the best record in the entire NFL, 10-1 on the year. They've beaten teams like the Chiefs, the Bills, the Cowboys, the Dolphins. They have a stout, or, or they are stout, up front with all pros Jalen Hurts, MVP candidate, uh, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, the best offensive line in the entire league. They have veteran defenders everywhere Darius Slade, James Trash, Bad- Bradbury, um, Zach Cunningham, Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, Hassan Reddick. This team is what you call a team built to last. They've come back from a handful of victories or, or near losses to pull out the victories. We saw one last week against the Buffalo Bills. This team loves to fight, they have embraced the Philadelphia um, city, and they have embraced their fan base. They've embraced the, the the theme, the motto of the town in which they are uh, living in and playing in. They are a grinded out, you know, blue collar, freezing cold temperature, broken and bruised, and somehow going to get the victory by any means necessary kind of team. But. Over the past four games, granted, all victories by the Eagles, mind you, they won by seven points, then five points, then four points, then over the Bills last week, just three points. Dare I ask, are they due for a loss? That's up to what happens on Sunday, but I'll just say this. Maybe there's a reason as to why San Francisco was favored by three on the road in what is considered to be one of the toughest places to play in the entire NFL. I could argue that last week there were people saying the Eagles are due for a loss. They're due for a loss. They won. They squeaked it out, took it to the brink of losing that game the Niners are not the Bills, they're not the Chiefs, they aren't the Cowboys. They are much better than all of those teams. This is the Niners' best and biggest matchup against the Eagles. This is Philadelphia having not played a team built like the Niners all year long. These are two teams, are elite, ready to go head-to-head, and dare I say there's a reason as to why the Niners are favored in the this game. So let's see how the Niners defense can find a way to stop a high powered, and I mean high freaking powered Philadelphia Eagles offense. And let's start at the top. No, not with Nick Sirianni, who has the most punchable face in the entire league. Uh, I cannot wait, and I hope and I have prayed all year long we can make this man feel an ounce of shame. Give him credit. He, he, him, just like the team, has bought into the Philadelphia way. We're going to get in your face. We're going to talk trash. We're going to look in the camera and point at you. And we're going to go out there and we're going to talk trash to other teams' fan bases. But also, we'll do it in the tunnel where we can't get, you know, be seen or, or, or yelled back at, right? Um... I think Nick Sirianni is a front runner. He's a good head coach, but he is not the best coach in the NFL. That 10-1 record is not because of him. He's not even calling plays for the team on offense or defense. In fact, last year, the team's offense got better when he relinquished play calling uh, and give it to Shane Steichen, who is now the Colts head coach. Nick Sirianni, I get it. He's a good head coach. He is a front runner. I want to make that man's pride fall. I want to make him feel shame. But let's go to the quarterback. Because by all intents and purposes, Jalen Hurts deserves to be in the MVP conversation. Again, best team in the league record-wise, number one seed in the conference, and he is a quarterback of that team. The MVP race is going to be uh, wildly considered. Or, or, or you are going to be in that conversation if you have those things next to your name on those check boxes. But Jalen Hurts, dare I say is a fringe statistically fringe top 10 quarterback this year. He's 10th in completion percentage, 11th in passing yards, 10th in passing touchdowns, 6th in QBR, 12th in rating and tied for fourth in total turnovers. Now, that isn't to say take him lightly. It isn't to say that you can just let him do his thing. He's going to hurt you. Jalen Hurts is one of the better, one of the best quarterbacks in the entire league you pull 32 coaches they're going to say yes I'd rather have Jalen Hurts than their guy right I'd rather have Hurts than Bryce Young than Tua rather have Hurts than Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff some of the better quarterbacks in football you'd rather have Jalen Hurts over and he is so so great at the Philadelphia RPO right uh he is a game changing runner he's a great passer mind you but he's a game changing runner to a point where the Eagles running game is kind of based around him where we've seen this before the Ravens and Lamar Jackson uh, now you have and dare I say maybe the The Falcons with Michael Vick back in the early 2000s, uh, but it's really impressive as to what he's been able to do and have an entire team, again, the best team in the entire league record-wise, have their running game structured around him. Uh, There's a reason why he's ran for the second-most first downs in the entire league. Now, are those tush-pushes? Maybe. Maybe. But what he's able to do with his legs on the ground with the RPOs, it just adds so much more to Philadelphia's offense outside of just be in the pocket, be somewhat mobile like Joe Burrow or the Trevor Lawrences or others along the or Justin Herberts, right? guys who you know can extend plays, but likely aren't going to be the reason why a team runs for 100 plus yards. Like Hertz is in that Josh Allen category, albeit playing a much different style of football, right? Um, Hertz is also great at using his legs of getting outside of the pocket, resetting his feet, finding a receiver either in a small window or going deep downfield. He does like to run to the sideline a little too much for my liking, but again, he can make up for that by running to his left, finding himself time, resetting himself with patience, unafraid to take hits in finding a receiver downfield. Uh, We saw against the Bills last week, needing a touchdown late in that game, runs to his left towards the sideline. Two defenders in his face and, and finds Zaccheaus in the back of the end zone for a touchdown to give Philadelphia the lead. Like, he can do that thing against anybody, any defense in the entire league. And It's another reason why San Francisco has to set the edge. Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Clellan Farrell, whoever else is out there, Randy Gregory, Maybe if it's Robert Bill Jr., doesn't matter who it is, you have to contain the edge. Set the edge. Force Hertz. Force Swift. Gainwell up into the interior offense and defensive line and let guys like Hargrave, and maybe if it's Kinlaw starting or Eric Armstead, Those guys are going to be one of the most pivotal pieces in winning this game. Yes, it's trench warfare. Yes, we know this coming in. It cannot be understated how much the trenches matter in a game against Philadelphia. That is the only way you can beat them. That's how important it is against a team like Philadelphia. And to continue with Jalen Hurts here, he's the best second half quarterback in the entire league. Uh, He is. 10 touchdowns to zero interceptions in second halves this year. That leads the entire league. He is not going to give you the game in the second half. In fact, he's going to win his team the game in the second half. He's nine. he's excuse me. He has 9.3 yards in attempt. That ranks second in football and has 136.6 passer rating which is first in football in second halves. Just like the Chiefs, just like the Bills before them, like I said earlier, San Francisco is going to have to thwart, stop. They are going to have to limit and push back and fight through that guaranteed second-half push by Philadelphia led by Jalen Hurts. When I say the Eagles are going to push and fight and claw their way to wins, that's what I mean. They'll give you a game in the first half, they'll be down 21-10, to 21-3, and they'll somehow find a way to win 31-28. This team just knows how to get it done, Um. but with that being said, I do think there are many holes on this Philadelphia offense, uh, starting with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts Having a good year, mind you, having one of the best years in the entire league, mind you. He hasn't been the same player he was last year. Um, and I don't think the Eagles are actually playing up to par with a 10-in-one record. Um they they by all means should be eight and three. And that's not bad. Like San Francisco's eight and three. I'm not knocking them and saying they've won some grinded out kind of games. Even San Francisco themselves, Fred Warner said. The Niners have to win games like that. That's what separates you in the standings. Philadelphia has done that, where San Francisco hasn't, but Jalen Hurts is tied for fourth in the entire league in total turnovers, giving up either one pick or one fumble per game. He is tied with Desmond Ritter, who's been benched, then starting, and then benched, then starting again for the Falcons, and Mac Jones, who seemingly plays one half a game In total turnovers this year that tells you Jalen Hurts is not playing a safe brand of football there is going to be opportunities for San Francisco in this game who mind you has the second most takeaways in the entire league and has totaled more interceptions at 15 than touchdowns given up this year through the air at 11. San Francisco, I get it's not going to have Talanohu-Funga, a massive loss in a game like this. A smart player that is going to take shots, a massive takeaway machine, dare I say. It's going to be Jair Brown, going to be Tayshawn Gibson, and a young cornerback group playing the best they have all year long. They are going to have chances to get takeaways in this game. Hurts is going to give you a chance to turn the tide. Where San Francisco has struggled in recent weeks is when Seattle gives you an interception you have to score you cannot go in and or have the ball on Philadelphia's 43 yard line and get nothing or just three points you have to come away with touchdowns against this team if you leave Philadelphia in a game like this that's when they find a way to claw themselves back and get victories there are holes in San Francisco's Game too. I'm not going to ignore that. Like I said, you cannot be on Philadelphia's 43-yard line like you were against Seattle and not score. You, ha- you cannot waste drives against this team. That's what happens with the Bills and the Chiefs and many others before them. They get into Philadelphia's territory. The Cowboys game is a prime example of this. You will have to get in. In the end zone, you cannot settle for field goals. If you do, you are going to lose this game. I'm going back to Jalen Hurts. Philadelphia has not been as explosive as they once were last year. They're tied for ninth in completions of 20 plus yards. That's still top 10. You give them that credit. They finished second in the league last year. So a seven-standing, seven-ranking drop by their offense not being as explosive. Uh, they also ranked 12th in explosive plays as a whole, whereas last year they ranked first. This offense has fallen down 11 spots when it comes to being explosive. I also think Hurts, uh, he's holding on to the ball so extremely long. It's almost mind-boggling now. Part of this is him uh, ex- extending plays, running around, making moves, uh, and again uh, forcing defenses into stopping him using his legs. Right, um, like I said, rolling to his left and finding Zacchaeus in the back of the end zone last week. That's going to affect your time to throw. But Hurts does hold on to the ball the fifth longest time in the league. That's led to a thirty-point-seven pressure rate on dropbacks that ranks 11th in the league he's also been sacked nearly 7 percent of his dropbacks that ranks 11th in the league as well and in the past three games he's been sacked 10 times like hertz has been sacked almost three times a game five of those coming against the chiefs he's the sixth most sacked quarterback in the league and when you come into this game knowing that the niners have the third highest sack rate and the fifth highest pressure rate in the last three weeks, it lends you to believe they're going to have a strong chance to sack and pressure and force Jalen Hurts to make those off-scheduled plays or hold them to a third and six or two and eight and eliminate the chance for a touch push. Now, we know this, and, we'll, and I'll get to it more in depth later. The Eagles play four-down football almost the entire time, but... You can get sacks. You can get pressure. It's going to force the Eagles offense that has not been as explosive, albeit great on third down this year, they're going to have to make plays. That's where your bread and butter is. Get to the quarterback. Get sacks. Force them to beat you on third and eight. Force them to get you to third and two when it's two and eight. If San Francisco, who have seen success doing it against the Jaguars and the Bucks in Seattle, in Seattle last week, They are going to have success in this game against Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, but it's not just Jalen Hurts there. DeAndre Swift coming into this game, uh, picked him up from the Lions last year, Uh, didn't think much of the move coming into the year. He has been one of the more pleasant surprises of the season, Uh, came out super strong and picked things up more recently after kind of a lull period there uh, in the middle of the season, but Watching him this year, I'll tell you this, DeAndre Swift, while being the fourth leading rusher in the entire league, right, what he's able to do before contact, he is one of the most patient runners in the league. He's not Le'Veon Bell, where he'll kind of sit there and dance for a hot second, and you're like, what's going on here, and he bursts open, but he will wait and wait and wait, because he is hoping he can find a lane towards the outside. He trusts this offensive line in Philadelphia to find lanes to create lanes for him. He'll just sit behind the guard for two seconds then bang, he's gone for five, six yards of carry. That's how good he is. Um he averages about five yards per carry this year, but before contact, he's getting three point three one yards per carry. That ranks second in the entire league again he's going to kind of sit behind that, that big stone wall of the offensive line behind kelsey behind you know jurgens and, and dickerson and he'll just sit there and wait behind the guards and center then boom he's gone for a massive six seven 12 yard run he's so patient san francisco cannot over pursue dre greenlaw Jair brown fred warner these guys know this they are going to have to be patient with him And look, go back there, make a tackle, do your thing, but you have to plug the holes, fill the holes. He will hurt you. He will hurt you before contact. You have to get to him early, because if you don't, he's getting five, six yards of carry, which then allows the Eagles to be in, you know, second fives and it becomes a third and one. Then all of a sudden it's tush push and tush push and it's a first down. That's where Philadelphia beats you. On the ground. Yes, Hurts is having a great year. Not as good as he was last year. He's not. They will pound the football, pound the rock, and let Swift beat you if they have to. How many times do you see them run three running plays in a row, an RPO to Swift, an RPO to Hurts, then it's third and two. Swift gets you five yards on the ground for a first down. It happens every single game. That's how good they are on the ground. Uh, And DeAndre Swift... Along with Kenneth Gainwell are arguably two of the best pass catching backs in the entire league. Um, And they also are very quick on the ground with the ball after or after a catch. They'll beat you with their speed. These guys are quick. Uh, Gainwell being one of the best screen pass catchers in the entire league. He loves space. Have no idea how he fell in the draft knowing how good he's looked in Philadelphia. But Gainwell is going to be a massive problem in this game as swift will be Um, it does help the fact that san francisco is coming into this game the number one ranked run defense in football they are first in yards given up they are tied for ninth in yards per carry and tied for second in touchdowns allowed this is like i said going to be trench warfare Whichever team can establish the run, I think it'll be San Francisco, mind you, whatever team can establish the run, uh, they're going to control this game. Again, my money's on San Francisco, but Philadelphia is no slouch in the run game department, and they can beat you in a much more versatile way than San Francisco can, because they have Jalen Hurts in the backfield as well. But I want to throw this tidbit out there because I've seen Philadelphia Eagles accounts on X or Twitter being like, the Niners have only played the Bengals and the Vikings and the Buccaneers, and they have the first ranked run defense. They played nobody. I'll just tell you this. San Francisco this year has played three top five leading rushers at the time they faced off. Tony Pollard, James Conner, and Travis Etienne. All three of those players were held under 60 yards in that game. Etienne, a non-factor. James Conner, a non-factor. Tony Pollard, a non-factor. If that happens again, this game is going to heavily lean San Francisco. What they've been able to do when they face the top echelon guys at the time of playing them cannot be understated. San Francisco has essentially taken away those offenses, the Cardinals, the Cowboys, and the Jaguars at the time taking away their leading rusher. Uh, I don't want to hear Eagles fans saying they have played nobody. In fact, every time they've faced their biggest challenge, they have risen and toppled that challenge over like it was nothing. Uh, The challenges don't stop there, though, for San Francisco. You have your A.J. Brown, who is just... What can you not say about this man? He is one of the best receivers in the entire league, easily top three in my book. It's Jefferson, it's Tyreek Hill, and it's A.J. Brown, bar none. He is that good. Um, he is and has some of the best contested catches, uh, catch hands in the entire league. Um, one thing I think people don't understand with him is that yes, he'll he'll have a he's one of the best go ball receivers. He'll beat you deep downfield. He's someone that you see him make these highlight real plays really where he beats you is on slant routes and what i mean by that is he's a bigger body guy and we have smaller cornerbacks thomas lenore um, mooney ward although bigger and taller slender guy he's going to box out any cornerback lined up against him doesn't matter who it is he is going to out physical them Box him out on slants. He isn't going to beat you for six to eight yards downfield. Um, He's the reason why the offense in the passing game is so great, because what he does in the six to 12 yard range is just otherworldly. Again, he will beat your cornerback no matter who it is, whether it's zone, especially if it's man on on these easy slant routes we see like he doesn't even need separation he'll just outbody you he will out physical you he will literally draymond green box out the cornerback and catch it for six to eight yards in the first down he is phenomenal in that kind of game which helps them extend drives gets them into easy second and third downs to have these long drives which allows philadelphia to score touchdowns or at least get field goals um One thing is, you cannot play man coverage against him. Now, anytime you play man against one of the best receivers in football, probably not the best thing to do. Against A.J. Brown, it is the worst possible thing you can do. He is the best receiver when it comes to yards and touchdowns against man coverage this year. He is just on another planet when you want to play man coverage, thankfully. Um, you get some pr- you, you get some pressure. You get some sacks. It takes him out of the game, but hurts being able to extend plays. You got playing man coverage. Um, you're gonna be in for a long day against AJ Brown. Thomas and Lenore and Mooney Ward. We know this. They know this. They have to come to play. Steve Oaks, It'll be interesting to see how much ex- you know, man coverage he plays. Um, we've seen him play a little bit more man coverage recently with the pass rush playing better. I would expect a more zone coverage in this game because the threat AJ Brown possesses on every single play against man coverage. Um, then you have Devontae Smith. Um... One area where you think you can beat Devontae Smith, who is one of the best number two cornerbacks, or excuse me, one of the best number two receivers in the entire league could be a one on half the teams in football. Um, he isn't the you know physical dominating presence you would like a number two cornerback to be because you have A.J. Brown. Smith is slender. He isn't too fast. Uh, but I'll tell you this, one area you think you could do is at the line of scrimmage, jam him with the physical cornerback, right? Lenore or Thomas or Mooney Ward. You really can't do that against him. He's somehow able to work around his weakness and beat you. Um, He'll also play slot for a handful of times. Uh, in the slot this year, 21 receptions, 268 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, I think his most underrated uh aspect of his game is his situational awareness um it, you see a quarterback like jalen hurts want to escape the pocket want to extend plays uh, want to again run to the sideline set his feet and throw it who's usually there it's Devonte smith who again he will find these soft pockets of the defense when hurts does that he'll sit in those little bubbles and those small zones He'll just sit there and wait as the entire defense passes him by. Then Hurts finds him for 35 yards, 20 yards downfield on a massive third down conversion. Devontae Smith, uh, he's not just going to beat you on a normal passing play. When the play breaks down, um, Devontae Smith is going to be there. He's like, you know, I'll be there. That's what he is for Jalen Hurts. But, let's talk about the most important part of the Philadelphia Eagles entire team. That is their offensive line. Um, I said it a handful of times already, Nick Bosa and company, those guys have to come to play because the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line, the games are won in the trenches and it's so hard to beat this team up front. Um, I've already talked about containing the edge, having to force Hertz and Swift, who love getting on the outside and running for space, whether it's on an RPO or it's a normal uh, quarterback run when the play breaks down, it's important to contain those edges against this offense, Uh, but the lanes that Philadelphia's offensive line creates in the ground game is just absurd, and they're going to give Jalen Hurts plenty of time to throw again, the fifth slowest time to throw in the entire league, because the offensive line is creating the best pockets in the entire league. They're sixth in pass block win rate, and they are first by wide, wide margin in run block win rate at nearly 77%. The Philadelphia Eagles offensive line is how they win games. You talk about one of the most dominating groups in football, the Eagles offensive line by far is this team's MVP. I get they got Hurts, they got amazing skill position players... You take away the offensive line, you take away a lot of the success this team has. This team runs through the offensive line. It does help the fact that, though, like I've said plenty of times already, the Niners' defense is playing at an all-time high this year the past four games. Nick Bosa, the past four games, 31 pressures, 5 sacks, 10 quarterback hits, 3 tackles for losses. He's going to be against maybe Lane Johnson returning from injury or uh, Mayalada, their left tackle, who both those guys are some of the best, if not the best tackles in the entire football, minus Trent Williams. Nick Bosa, you got to get the job done. Eric Armstead, if Eric Armstead can't play the past month, you are taking away 20 pressures Four and a half sacks, seven quarterback hits, and three tackles for losses against their opponents. If he can't play because of his foot, that's a massive loss for the San Francisco 49ers. Then you have Javon Hargrave, who, again, the past four games, 14 pressures, three sacks, five quarterback hits, and two tackles for losses. Those three players alone, 65 pressures the past four games. That's over what? 11? Over like 12 a game, it feels like? It's insane. 12 and a half sacks, 22 quarterback hits, and 8 tackles for losses. This is going to be a game where your defensive line is exhausted playing. Can they hold up? Because the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line, like the entire team does, but more so because of this unit... They embrace that dickhead mentality of like, look, we're all plumbers, we're all blue collar boys, we got massive beards, we're all thick, and we're going to go sing Christmas carols after the game when we win. That's what they want to do. They want to bludgeon you for 50 plays a game. And they are so good at doing it. Can the Bosas, the Hargraves, the Armsteads, if he's healthy, the Kinlaw, who was bullied against the Eagles last year, can they hold up? Chase Young, is his impact going to be felt in this game? Is he go- like, If Lane Johnson can't play, and you're telling me it's Chase Young on the edge, Nick Bosa on the edge, that's one area where you say San Francisco should be able to contain the edge. Now, if it's Lane Johnson out there, and these little frickers are out there false-starting every single play like they always like to do, that that's something that has to be changed. The the refs have to look at that and say, you cannot false start every single play. Even on tush pushes, the left guard false starts every single play. If you slow it down, it's hard to see. I get it. But the Niners, it is so important. Stopping Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Swift, whoever it is, you have to be able to at least stand up with or be on par with the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line. And let's get to the tush push here, because it is the driving force behind Philadelphia being third in the entire league on third down conversions and first in the entire league on fourth down conversions. I've seen Jalen Hurts just sit on top of the ball like, hey, guys, how's it going? Getting carried four yards downfield for first downs. Should they outlaw it? That's not my choice. I don't love it. They do it better than anybody for a reason. Um, Travis Kelsey, the left guard, uh, Jurgens, Dickerson, what they're able to do in taking the legs out of opposing defensive players getting so low underneath them, it is just a masterpiece in offensive line play. You have to give them credit. They are amazing at what they do. But what it does is it puts that much more pressure on San Francisco to keep Philadelphia into those third and sixes, those third and eights, and those fourth and fours, and those fourth and fives. If you can do that, which is extremely tough to do, which, when you say again, you set the edge, you have the best run defense in the entire league, and you have your defense playing at an all-time high right now in coverage, you should have more success than not, against the Eagles' offense, but if you don't keep them on those 3rd and 6s and those 4th and 5s and 4th and 4s, they are going to tush-push their way to a victory. And um, over every team in the league, what the Eagles want to do, what the fan base wants to see, is them tush-push their way and do what they do best against this Niners' defense to a win. Um, I also think with the likely... Uh, odds of tight end Dallas Goddard being out in this game will that give San Francisco a chance whether it's the Oren Burks Fred Warner Dre Greenlaw you don't really have to worry about the Eagles backup tight end would that give them a chance to be able to leave a quarterback spy sitting there to follow Jalen Hurts around um I'd prefer that almost be Fred Warner because he's a lot smarter player than Dre Greenlaw, but if Fred Warner's in coverage, uh, Dre Greenlaw needs to be this hyena. He needs to go out there and just attack Jalen Hurts. Play clean. I don't want to see him punching the ball out the entire time and getting penalties, but I want to see him attack Jalen Hurts. That's the only way. You almost have to be smartly aggressive, right? Because Philadelphia will just beat you every single play if they can. Um, But if Dallas Goddard does play again, I don't think he will. You're getting almost like a mini Gronkowski, dare I say. Um, Not as big, not as fast, but Dallas Goddard is almost like an extension of the Eagles offensive line. The way he plays is like a dickhead. He just wants to pound you into the dirt. He has amazing hands. Um, him and Hurts' is, um, chemistry is top notch in the entire league. It's near Purdy and, and and Kittle. Like if he plays, um, that offense is going to be writing the healthiest they've been in a month and a half. And, and again, if that happens, uh, San Francisco is gonna have their hands full. We've talked forty five minutes about. The Eagles offense against this Niners defense and the trouble they could have. And now San Francisco can actually, dare I say, stop them. Now it's time to get into how Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey and the boys can dice through one of the worst defenses in football when it comes to stopping a passing attack. The Eagles, again, to give them credit, like the offensive line. Still strong up front. Jordan Davis, one of the best run defenders in the entire league. Jalen Carter having one of the best rookie seasons this year for defensive linemen. Hassan Reddick is still wreaking havoc on quarterbacks. We know that all too well. And this team, who loves to rush four, leads the NFL in pressures when they only rush four in their base defense. They are so, so good. But... Because there's always a but. This defense has major. And when I say major holes, what I mean by this is if I'm Kyle Shanahan and I saw what happened against the Bills and I see what they've done this year and what they're not good at, I am licking my lips like I'm waiting for a Thanksgiving turkey because, oh, my goodness, should this offense be able to run wild, pass, just with the best of them in the entire league against this Eagles defense? When you talk about, you know, sometimes football is a game of matchups, right? You just play a team that, that plays you tough. The commanders always play the Eagles tough, despite them being not a great team, right? Uh, Seattle, even when they're not good, always seem to play the Niners tough. The Rams as well, right? It's a divisional game. Those are tough games to win. Sometimes teams have their number or they have their number more than others, right? The Niners in this game should be able to have the Eagles' defense's number on the ground this year. And it gets me all getting goosebumps because Christian McCaffrey should have some fun. The Eagles are allowing... 6 yards a carry on attempts outside of the tackles. That ranks 25th in football. They're allowing, get this, 6.3 yards a carry on attempts outside of the left tackle. Who plays left tackle for the San Francisco 49ers? Oh, just the best left tackle in the entire league and future Hall of Famer Trent Williams. And... Add on to that, San Francisco has been the best offense on the ground this year when running behind their all-pro future Hall of Fame left tackle. Not to mention, Aaron Banks is healthy for a second straight week. Spencer Burford might come back if you don't love that. John Feliciano's still healthy. You're getting your boys back up front to be full strength again. And you get to run with the league's leading rusher, Christian McCaffrey, against, like... What Christian McCaffrey is able to do on outside runs, we've talked about it all year long. League's leading rusher, he almost single-handedly, after Brock Purdy got hurt and Josh Johnson was like, I don't know what to do. Do I still play football? How do I have a job still? Even in that scenario last year in the playoffs, Christian McCaffrey was leading this Niners offense against, dare I say, a better Eagles defense This game was a one-score game last year because Christian McCaffrey by himself was able to be that important to find all the gashes to jump over defenders to get to the outside. When I say the Eagles have not played a running back like Christian McCaffrey all year long, I mean it. They have not seen a player like Christian McCaffrey all year long. Like by 300 yards the NFL's leading rusher. He will be the first running back in Shanahan's entire tenure in San Francisco to rush for over 1,000 yards in a season. That's crazy. Like, Chris McCaffrey is going to run wild. He's kind of like Swift. He's patient. He'll turn nothing into four or five yards, and here's the kicker. Even after you make contact with him, he will still get four or five yards. He isn't a one-trick pony of, oh, I'm getting three yards a pop before contact, I'm getting hit and going down. He is, I'll, I'll get you three yards prior to contact, then I'll get you six more afterwards. Philadelphia, great tackling team, giving him that credit. Reed Blankenship, one of the rare white safeties in football, making plays. Um, Kevin Byard has not been great this year, but Slay and Bradbury know how to tackle. Um, This is a game where I think we're going to see CMC just just go go crazy because the Eagles have yet to be able to show they can stop outside zone. That's what Shanahan loves to do. And you get in behind Trent Williams, you're going to see some Eagles players. They're not going to run away from Trent Williams, but they're not going to get through him. And you're going to see CMC going 5, 6, 12 yards downfield at a consistent basis in this game, I believe getting to the Eagles' passing defense. Ooh, it stinks. Like a lot. <laughs> Against man coverage this year, or while playing man coverage this year, What's they primarily do, Um, they're allowing a 75.3 QBR, ranks 29th in the league. Do some quick math, that's fourth worst in football. Brock Purdy, who... The Eagles have never played against, dare I say. (laughs) Has an 85 QBR against man coverage. That's third in football. He's thrown 16 touchdowns against man coverage. That's first or tied for first in football. Has a 66% completion rate. That is second in football against man coverage this year. Getting the thing now? Getting the theme here? The Eagles defense, passing defense, given up the fifth most passing yards in the NFL. They've given up the fourth most passing yards per game. And kind of like the Seattle Seahawks defense, who was worse at home, they've given up more yards at home than they have on the road this year. They've given up nearly 300 yards, 293 yards at home through the air at home. That ranks first, or I guess in this way, 32nd, the worst in football (laughs) with nearly 300 yards against one of the most vaunted defenses in the entire league. Ooh, it ain't spooky season, folks. The Eagles defense is good. They might be a little fraudulent. 10 and one, I'm not saying it's a given we're gonna win this game, but if there is areas to beat Philadelphia, it's gonna be a little Brock Purdy action all night long. And CMC should already have a good game if you can run the ball, it opens up so much for Brock Purdy to be able to do. And keep in mind, Philadelphia has given up the second most passing touchdowns in the entire league and given up the most passing first downs in the entire league. It feels like you can really have every which way with the Eagles passing defense this year. Buffalo, Kansas City, the Dolphins. Should be the same for Brock Purdy. Sam Howe is out here throwing. Who I like, Sam Howe. He's a fine quarterback. I wouldn't... He's fine. He's bottom-tier guy, but he can get the job done on certain days. He's fine. He's throwing for like 400 yards, putting up 31 points against this Eagles defense. And Brock Purdy is like, he's a system quarterback. He's a scrub. What the... <laughs> like, Brock Purdy should be able to have and continue his success... You have to play a clean game, mind you. But Philadelphia is a mid-tier takeaway team. They don't get a lot of takeaways. Like, Philadelphia's passing defense is not great. Now, get into the conversation of, well, you know, they get a little pressure on you, you get a little, uh, you know, you got a tight end blocking this on Reddick again. I don't think Shanahan's going to make that mistake again, but we'll see he's a pretty stubborn guy. But I do think San Francisco's offensive line... The way they like to play should be able to keep Brock Purdy clean. Yes, they, you know, against the Bucks give up some sacks against Philadelphia, or excuse me, against Seattle. He got sacked twice or once, I believe. There have been times this year they haven't played well. I don't think this is going to be one of those times you're like, oh my god, they're a liability, you might sit back and you're going to get beat a handful of times against one of the better defensive lines in football, dare I say. Um, but this should be a game where Brock Purdy does have time to throw. And even if he doesn't have time to throw, even if we're sitting there like, oh man, like Philadelphia is getting to our quarterback. This is horrifying to look at. It's not like Philadelphia has been good at defending short intermediate passes. This year alone, Philadelphia ranks... 31st second worst in football and EPA per play expected points against per play they rank 29th 29th fourth worst in football in success rate against short passes over the middle of the field they rank 30th in the entire league do some quick math again third worst in the entire league at allowing explosive plays and 23rd in yak allowed on short intermediate passes over the middle of the field. What's Shanahan's bread and butter? Oh, so outside zone, check. Niners can do that. Philadelphia isn't good against that. Short intermediate place over the middle where a team isn't great at tackling. Oh, that's what Shanahan likes to do. And then you mix in the fact that the Eagles, again, like I already said, they are not good against explosive plays. San Francisco this year, on plays 15 yards, that being passes or more, and 10-plus runs, San Francisco ranks 2nd in the entire league. Philadelphia ranks 30th in guarding those plays. So, not good against outside zone, not good against the middle of the field via the passing game, and allows the 3rd f- worst explosive rate in football. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. Wow. It's almost like Philadelphia, the name brings much more of a presence than the actual product. They're a good team. They're 10-1. and 1. When you watch them play, when you know the stats, every game you say, they're beatable. They're beatable. They pull these games out, you gotta get them credit. What San Francisco likes to do, their bread and butter, is lines up with what Philadelphia has shown not to be able to do. And you add in the fact that their starting linebacker, Zach Cunningham, who might not play, mind you, has given up a 96.5 passer rating and their starting safety, who we all said, they're getting Kevin Byard, Howie Roseman, one of the best GMs in the entire league. He is, mind you, but Kevin Byard has sucked. For the Eagles, 103.3 pass rating allowed. Then I say, well, who usually guards tight ends or linebackers and safeties? Then you realize the Eagles ranked dead last in football in pass defense efficiency when covering tight ends. Who plays tight end for the Niners? Oh, one of the best players in the entire league at the position. This ain't the Chiefs where they have no receivers to catch balls deep, and they lose because the Eagles are double-teaming Kelsey. This ain't the Bills, where it's Stephon Diggs, rather incompetent Gabe Davis, and really nobody else for that offense. Philadelphia has not played an offense that has this many stars, this many capable, top-echelon players at their positions. Debo Samuel is going to have a field day over the middle. George Kittle is going to eat Zach Cunningham if he plays, and Kevin Bayard alive. Alive. They cannot stop tight ends. They can't stop outside zone run. They can't stop over the middle short passes. They're not great at yak in those scenarios. Again, the stats just say San Francisco. There's a reason why they're favored by three points in this game. And we haven't even gotten to Darius Slay, who's a great defender. He's like 33 years old. He's crushing it. Then you take a look towards the left and you go, oh, it's James Trash Bradbury, who's having a good year. He's a smart player. Then you sit back and you go, man, why did Debo Samuel say he was the one to be exposed last year? Oh, I get it. 96 or excuse me, 95.1 pass rating allowed. That's not great. And... He has one interception. That was last week. But he's given up six touchdowns as the nearest defender. Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are going to cook. They're going to get this skillet out, turn the fire on, put the oil in it, and just have a freaking field day with this pass defense. I'm not trying to be a homer. I'm not trying to sit back and say we're a better team, although we are, in my opinion. But I'm just trying to say... The Philadelphia Eagles are not as scary as the NFL wants you to believe they are. They're a good team, 10-1 and one for a reason. They're a good team. They grind out wins. That's what makes a good team. They get off the field on third downs. They extend drives via third down conversions. They do the little things right. When they're not playing teams like the Niners. This ain't the Commanders. This ain't the Bills, the Chiefs, the Dolphins. This ain't that. This is a Niners team who invites pain and suffering, who invites the contact, who wants to run right through you on their way to the end zone. This is no finesse team like the Dolphins that have speed and they'll kill you with speed. San Francisco has speed. They'll beat you by smashing your face into the ground. Kittle wants to run through Bayard and Blankenship and, and Slay and Cunningham. George Kittle wants to block Hassan Reddick. He wants to block Jalen or, or or Davis and, and Carter. He wants to do those things. Kyle Juszczyk, he'll probably have a big play in this game. Like, this is a team with San Francisco that wants to run through their opponents. Philadelphia, five quarters last week, overtime win, San Francisco, 10 days off. They have had the time to get their mind right. They've had the time to hopefully get healthier. Praying to God Eric Armstead can play in this one, because we're going to need him. It's going to be a slugfest, a slobber knocker, an all-out duel to the death. (laughs) Philadelphia does not want to lose this game. If they do, they're one game away from being either number two in the entire NFC or number two in the NFC East, or NFC East division. And if they lose against the Cowboys in two weeks, if they after they lose to us, Dallas holds the tiebreaker over them. This is a massive game. For Philadelphia, uh, San Francisco is going to want to come to play. They're going to come to play. They're already up for this game. The Eagles are already up for this game. Put the Niner jersey on Rocky Balboa afterwards, though, please. Um, Can I just be honest here? I want to crush the Eagles. I want to pound their faces into the dirt. I want to ruin their holiday season. Um, what happened last year sucked. It just sucked. It was it was unfair. It happened. That's life. Whatever. We've moved on, literally. But in the back of our minds, we know. The team knows. Had Brock Purdy been healthy, maybe we're having a different conversation. You can say this game doesn't mean that, or it, it's week thirteen. It's not a playoff game, and we might as well meet again, right? It could very well happen. If it does, cool. We'll do it again. Go out there and beat Philadelphia. We have city buses in Pittsburgh and Concord and Walnut Creek saying go Niners. The Bay Area is ready for war in this game. They're ready for a battle. Let's take them to it at the link. We already have over... The record it was last year in the playoff with Niners fan attendance at the link last year already blew through that record. It's like at 15, 20%, the faithful have been waiting for this game since last January. They are ready. It's been a 10-month wait. We are ready to fight. We're ready to go out there and prove what happened was a fluke. I think, I believe... San Francisco is going to win this game 31-23, knock off the Philadelphia Eagles at home. Ayuk is going to cook the living, you know what. He's going to burn that Thanksgiving turkey, burn that Christmas Day ham. He's going to make the Eagles defense look like figgy pudding out there on the field with how amazing his route running is. Debo Samuel, he gonna to toss James Bradbury to the ground. And i want to say, ooh, ooh, we're dancing. It's Christmas time, we're dancing, ooh. And we're having a great time in the bay saying, I told you so. We're gonna leave the link, leaving the Eagles heads down low and their wings clipped saying fly Eagles fly. No, it's die, Eagles die, woo. Cannot wait for this game on Sunday. If you would like to and I really appreciate it if you did, leave a like on the video. If you're listening on the audio versions, uh, Apple Podcast or Spotify. Leave a like and review the podcast. Give us five stars. Say whatever you want in the comments below. If you're on Spotify and you had your Spotify wrapped, you can tag us on social media with your podcasting platform on there. If we're in your top five, we greatly appreciate it. We had a record breaking year for the podcast uh, this season uh, with the offseason program and the year in, in full effect. I am so appreciative of what you guys have done for me with the views and the listens the new subscribers the new audience members we have uh, merry christmas happy thanksgiving hope you have a wonderful december and i hope you have a wonderful time watching your san francisco 49ers take it to the philadelphia eagles on sunday at 125 pacific time on fox but again spotify wrapped or if you just want to give us a shout out follow us on social media tag us in those posts 49ers Underscore access is the Twitter or X. 49ers.access is the Instagram. If you somehow still want to go to this game or go to next week's game as well, whatever you want to do, use our promo code 49ers access 49 E R S A C C E S S at seatgeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Have a great Sunday. Enjoy week number 13. Dare I say, go Dallas Cowboys tonight. Hope Eric Armstead gets healthy and enjoy what I would like to think is going to be a San Francisco 49ers win over the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday as we inch ever closer to the number one seed in the NFC. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your week. Enjoy Sunday's game. My name is Sterling Bennett saying leave a like, leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. And until next time, stay faithful.